Hello my spooky friends and welcome back to After the Ever, your podcast dedicated to all things paranormal and macabre, hosted by yours truly, me, Pumpkin Queen. Before we get into this creepy pasta episode, I want to give a shout out to this episode sponsor, Freak Show Savory Sauces. They are a small batch sauce maker. They have a passion for adding extraordinary flavor to everyday favorite foods. Every day, every dish, unleash the flavor. So you can use code after the ever for 15% off. Order now for the after the ever special sauce bottles. It's a limited time. Go to www.freakshowsavorysauces.com and of course I'll post the link in the show notes. That's after the ever, A-F-T-E-R-T-H-E-E-V-E-R for 15% off. Today's episode is more macabre than paranormal. A legendary creepypasta. I think I've listened to this creepypasta more than a few times and every time I get goosebumps and just kind of get a little woozy. That being said, grab your blanket, light your candles, and let's get into the Russian sleep experiment. Widely regarded as one of the most popular and widest spread creepy pastas ever written, the Russian sleep experiment is notorious for the gruesome nature of its content. For those of you who do not know, the Russian sleep experiment is supposedly a factual account of experimentation on five subjects by the Soviet government and military during the week of World War II. The experiment was meant to explore the effects of sleep deprivation on the human body and was also used to test out a new gas that could keep people awake for days at a time. The report from the experiment documents the degeneration of those subjects that were experimented upon. These individuals are commonly referred to within the creepypasta community as the test subjects. The horrifying results from these experiments and the crazed, almost subhuman or demonic creatures it produces are often illustrated alongside the story, one image in particular. I will post this image on the podcast's Instagram account so you can see it for yourself, but it's widely renowned. Everybody's seen it. It's that pasty white, almost bluish looking subhumanoid creature. Terrifying. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they only had microphones and 5-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots with no bedding, running water, and toilet, and had enough dry food to last all five for over a month. 
The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Side note, I don't know about you guys. I don't think I would want anything that would make me not sleep for 30 days. I know it wasn't, you know, they didn't have a choice, but still. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents from their past. And the general tone of their conversations took on more of a dark, ominous context after about the fourth day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones in the one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they they all seemed to think that they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects, in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was just an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. One of them ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks after his voice went out. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other subjects reacted to it, or rather, didn't react to it at all. They continued whispering to the microphones until... One of the second subjects started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. Then the screaming promptly stopped, and so did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the subjects. They used an intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the subjects. Because there was no response, the researchers thought the subjects were either dead or vegetables at this point. They announced over the intercom, we are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. 
compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice respond. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding this research. Unable to provoke Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, pleading to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and the soldiers were sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive. Although no one could rightly call the state that any of them were in actual life. The food rations past five days had not been so much touched There were chunks of meat from the dead test subject's thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth as the researchers actually initially thought. Closer examination of the positions and the angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the rib cage of all four test subjects had been removed while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscle attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the rib cage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working, actually digesting food, it quickly came apparent what they were digesting was their own flesh. They had ripped it off and eaten it over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still mainly refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left inside the chamber and begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another Five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count the ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. 
In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved to be impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of a morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and the arm of one doctor. Even after his heart stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over, weaker and weaker until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begged for the gas and demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him. He fought furiously against his restraints. When the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under, he managed to tear through most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap that was on one wrist. So he was tied down with these four-inch thick wrist straps, and he, he tore most of the way through it. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under. And the instant his eyes fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had triple the amount of normal oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed. He was unable to beg or object to surgery and he had only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly they try the surgery without anesthetic and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. One of the head surgeons stated repeatedly that it should not be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting in the surgery stated she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of a drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad so the patient could write a message. It was simple. Keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery. 
both without anesthetic as well. Although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation, the surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patient laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were asking again for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves. Why had they ripped out their own guts? Why do they want to be given the gas again? Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers, facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project, considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, a former KGB agent, insisted that he saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but were overruled. To prepare the subjects for being sealed in the chamber again, they were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious at this point all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects could speak, was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. First left, then the right, then the left again for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first wired to the EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes they flatlined just like that. It looked like if they were repeating suffering from brain death before returning to normal. As the researchers focused the paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw the subject's eyes slip shut at the moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of a deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwaves showed the same flatline as the one who had just died from falling asleep. So the commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. One of those three, one of those three researchers immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out all over the wall. Man, this is getting a little violent. 
He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? He demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out his last words. So nearly free. There are a number of images associated with the Russian sleep experiment. And the story is of an event rather than about an individual character. There is one image well known and commonly linked to the story and which most fans will instantly recognize. The image shows a humanoid creature staring blankly into the camera. The figure is horribly emaciated. The eyes are sunken back into the sockets. The brow and cheekbones are protruding. It's extremely unnatural. The teeth, meanwhile, are of an unusually large size and are forced forward. The subject has a menacing grin. The subject's hugely exaggerated features, enlarged head, and a huddled posture makes it seem like he's a victim. Now, there is some disagreement as to where the story first originated. Some sources claim that the tale's first appearance can be linked back to a user only known as Orange Soda, who posted the story to the Creepypasta website on August 10th, 2010. Others trace its origins to August 8th, 2009 post on WordPress by RIP747. It's also worth noting that the post by RIP747 blog claimed that the story has been shared with him by his brother. And while this just might be a narrative device intended to distance the author from the piece, it could also be regarded as evidence that the story existed prior to this post. Following Orange Soda's post on, creep- on the Creepypasta page, the story was then picked up and read aloud on the Mr. Creepypasta channel in November of 2011. YouTube channel, sorry guys. After being shared by Griffin23 and receiving favorable reactions, on the subreddit WTF in October 2012, the story got a dedicated site, the Russian sleepexperiment.com. Now, the story was read aloud on YouTube over a black and white image, the image I spoke to you earlier about. This may be the first time that the narrative was linked to the image so famously associated with it, and in its first year alone, The video 
got over 11 million views. Scholars of folklore who have actually examined and written about the Russian sleep experiment myth have pointed out the story's effectiveness and viral spread that can be attributed to not only its apparent believability, but more to the anxieties with society around issues like the horrors of the war and the atrocities committed during World War II. It has been noted that across the spectrum of creepypasta stories, the majority of the stories concerning scientists or experimentation are linked to Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia. Many creepypastas have clear influences from older folklore traditions. That's what makes the Russian sleep experiment story so unsettling and horrifically plausible just because of the proximity to the truth. There are many articles that have been dedicated to debunking this myth, but it's simply a fact that similar horrors have indeed been committed by the government's own, on their own people. These incidents are just undoubtedly influential in the formation of this particular mythology. The Russian sleep experiment remains one of the most impactful and haunting creepypasta creations, not only because of the effectiveness of its fiction, but because it skirts a little too close to the horrifying truth. Well, my spooky friends, that is all she wrote for today's episode. If you want to help support the podcast, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Follow me on Instagram at AfterTheEver. Send me a DM if you have any listener stories or suggestions for an episode. If you would like to support Freak Show Savory Sauces and get limited edition after the ever sauce bottles, go to freakshowsavorysauces.com and remember to use that promo code after the ever at checkout for 15% off. I, of course, will post all of the links to the show and the sponsors of the show in the notes below. Thank you all again for listening in to today's episode. So until next time, stay spooky and to the Wolfman, ow!